Thanks. I'm going to put this here. <laughs> I want to read you this uh, verse that we're going to focus on this morning before we start. It's John chapter 14, verse 1. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I wanted to read that before we started because I want you to think about what does it mean to be troubled? What does that mean? You know, synonyms for the English word troubled are anxious, concerned, bothered, worried, disturbed, distressed, uneasy, upset. So, so this word kind of kind of sums up a lot of what we're feeling right now, doesn't it? It kind of, it, it sums up all of, of the feelings that we have over this virus. We, we worry, we, we're anxious, we, we feel all of these things because we don't know what the outcome of this virus is going to be. We don't know if, if we're going to be okay. We don't know if our country's going to be okay. We're, we're worried about uh, the health, and, and now we're opening up uh, the state. Uh, Governor Ducey has opened up, up the state, at least in the first phase. And so we, we, we get troubled over what that means. What's that going to do uh, to the people with the virus? What's that going to do financially? What, the, what is going to happen? We feel troubled. And so I think troubled is a great word to sum up everything that we're feeling right now. Now, I said, I've said over the last couple of weeks, the Bible clearly understands that we're going to have anxiety and fear and worry because it talks about it over 365 times. So God knows we're going to feel this, and so Jesus tells us here, this is the words of Jesus, and he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So we're going to be, as I said, we're going to read a little bit more of John chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, if you want to look in your own Bibles. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, then I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So let's talk about the context of this because it's, it, it's actually critical for our understanding of the verse. The context in the previous chapter, in John chapter 13, Jesus has had the Passover Seder with his disciples, with his followers. What we know as the Last Supper has just happened. He's just told Judas, I know you're going to betray me, so go ahead and, and get it done. And he's just told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. So, so that's the context in which Jesus has these words. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. 
Believe in God, believe also in me. He's telling them, I'm, I'm going to the cross. And where I'm going after the cross is to prepare a place for you where you're going to be coming. So he talks about heaven here. And in fact, heaven, the, the discussion of heaven actually creates kind of a, the meat of, the sa- of a sandwich, if you will. Because the context of, of Jesus talking about this and about heaven, in verse 1 he says, don't let your heart be troubled. And then verse 27 After talking about heaven, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful. So you have this discussion of heaven sandwiched between these two two statements of Jesus. Don't let your heart be troubled. So clearly heaven and the idea of heaven is, is, is... directly related to how troubled our hearts are. Jesus does not want you to feel troubled because he's going to prepare a place for you. Now, I want, I want to get something out of the way right, right now. This is not fatalistic. I'm not saying, uh, you know, Esther said, if I die, I die. And I'm not saying that. And, I, and Jesus is not expecting that just because you're going to heaven doesn't mean you won't, you won't be troubled about this life. That's not the point. The point is, don't get, don't get so focused in on your circumstances because God's got a plan for you that includes all the way to heaven. Remember the context again. Jesus has just talked to Judas and said, you're going to betray me. He's just talked to Peter and said, you're going to deny me. And then he talks about heaven and says, don't be troubled. So... So the, the context tells us Jesus has a plan for today, for tomorrow, and for forever. And so that's what should, that, that's what should comfort our hearts. That's why we should not be troubled. Because God has a plan. Jesus is leading us through that plan, and it includes today. So what does this tell us about God? It tells us God has a plan. And, and I know that's easy to say, and you've probably heard it a hundred times, but I want you to notice in this, in, in this context that God has a plan from your birth to your end. He has a plan for today. When he talks about heaven, he's talking about going and preparing a place for you there. So, so he knows you, and he knows what you are going to want in your place in heaven. He knows what what you he knows you well enough to know what you're going to need. So he has a plan for your life today. And he know and he has a plan for your life tomorrow. And he has a plan for your life all the way to forever. God has a plan for you. And it includes the lives of the followers of Jesus. Notice here, Jesus Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We must know Jesus in order to know God. You've heard me say that hundreds of times. You've heard me say that if you don't have Jesus right, you don't have God right. It's proved right here. It says that we must know Jesus in order to know God. And so 
God has a plan for you. It included bringing you to Jesus, and you can probably right now think back how that happened and see the hand of God in life. And it includes today, you're here today, and it includes all the way to heaven. God has a plan. And God will always get where you need to be. Jesus called himself the great shepherd. Now, the great shepherd takes, uh, takes the sheep where they need to be, not always where they want to be, but where they need to be. So God will always, through Christ, take you where you need to be, all the way to heaven, all the way to forever and ever, eternity. God has a plan and is going to get you there, and he's going to do it through Christ. Now, this clearly also says that Jesus is God. Now, again, I point that out every time it's, it's, it's so plain, because our, our society, our culture wants to say that Jesus was a great man or a great teacher or a great prophet, but not God. But I want you to think this through with me. What Jesus says here, first of all, he says, believe in God, believe in me. So he's saying that he's equal with God when he says that. Secondly, he's saying that we can't get to God except through him. Now, could he be a good man, a good teacher, a good prophet, if, if he's telling us we must know him, but he's not God? No. He must be God in order to, to, to make this promise that we can know God through him. If he's not He's not a good man or a good teacher or a good prophet. In fact, he's probably the most evil man that ever walked the planet because he's leading us away from God, not to God. Jesus is God. He puts himself on that level when he says, believe in God, believe in me, and he tells us that in order to know God, we must know him. Jesus is God. And Jesus came to show us the way. Now, not just the way to heaven, the way to live. Think about how Jesus lived. Jesus always had heaven in mind. He always had eternity in mind. He always had the plan of God in mind. He never did anything for his own purpose. He did it for God's purpose. Jesus lived with, his, with one eye on heaven all the time. That's the way he wants us to live. That's why he tells us, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled twice with, it, with the meat in that sandwich being heaven. He wants us to have a heavenly focus. We get so, so caught up in the circumstances around us. We get so caught up in what's going on right in front of us that we lose sight of the, of the overall plan. We lose sight of the fact that Jesus is walking with us taking us through the plan of God all the way to heaven. Not just meet you in heaven when you get there. He is walking with us through it. Again, think of the context here. Jesus came to show us the way to live with an eternal viewpoint, always thinking about God's plan, not just our own. So what this says, what does it say about us? I'll say again, in order to know God, you must know Jesus. You must. Jesus says it here twice. He says 
No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father and know the Father. We must know Jesus in order to know God. There is no other way. Our society likes to say there's lots of ways to God. There isn't. There is one way, and it's Jesus. This also says that we are eternal beings. We are made for eternity. C.S. Lewis said it this way. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. It is, it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. We are made for eternity. It's part of the plan. We are part of the plan, and that plan goes to forever and ever, eternity. And Jesus has a plan for you. You. Specifically, you. Again, let me point you to when Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Now, how could Jesus prepare a place for you if he doesn't know you? He knows you, and he has a plan for you from, from today to get you to the place he's prepared. Jesus knows you personally and has a plan for you personally. So what must we do? We must believe in God, believe in Christ. Believe is probably best translated trust in our, in our current language. We must trust God's plan and trust Jesus is leading us through God's plan. You know, we've, uh, we've learned so much about social circles and about uh, about how this sickness that, that, that's current in our culture and our, in our world, we've learned so much about how it spreads. And, and most of the models that I've seen say that you can spread, one, one sick person spreads it to 26 others on average. 26 others. Now, here's what I want to ask. If your sickness can affect 26 other people, how much could your wellness affect? By that I mean, if, if they see you trusting Christ through this time, how many people would that affect? Would it be at least 26? Would you at least understand that God has a plan for you, and it includes today, it includes coronavirus, it includes everything that's going on in your life right now? We have to trust bigger plans. We have to take our eyes off of our own circumstances and, and away from the mirror and look at the bigger plan of God. God has a plan for all of us. We have to trust God, and we have to trust Jesus to lead us through that plan. How many people would you affect if they saw your trust in Christ during this time? We have to keep our eyes on the bigger picture. It's really just a matter of trusting God that, that indeed there is a plan and that, it, that you're a part of it. You know, it includes, it includes you, but it also includes everyone around you. 
Think again about how you came to Christ. How did you, who, who was instrumental in that? Who affected you to come to Christ? So you were part of their plan. You were part of the plan of the people that, that helped you get to the point where you are in your relationship with Christ. You were part of God's overall plan and the plan for that person that included you and that includes you going to somebody else. You see how this is a much bigger picture than we tend to look? That's what Jesus is telling us in in this context. He's telling us there's a bigger picture, that we're part of it, but we're not all of it. We're part of it. We're part of a bigger plan. And it gets us all the way to forever. From yesterday to today to tomorrow, all the way to forever. So let's look at this phrase by phrase. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Troubled, anxious, concerned, bothered, worried, disturbed, distressed, uneasy, upset. Troubled is a pretty good way to sum all that up, isn't it? And it's a pretty good way to sum up how we tend to feel right now. But I want you to notice where the trouble is. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And when when Jesus talks about the heart here, he's not talking about the muscle that pumps blood to your system. (laughs) He's talking about the center, your core. You know, what we might say today, we might say don't lose heart. Don't be heart sick. That's how we might say this today. You know, we talk in sports, about sports teams that play with heart or play with no heart. We talk about boxers or fighters that fight with heart or fight with no heart. We talk about those who lose heart because they've lost hope. They lose heart. Jesus is saying, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. From the center of your being, trust me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is what Jesus presents as the, as the cure for a troubled heart. Trust in God. Trust in Christ. From your core, from your center, from your heart. You may have heard me say this as well. But Christianity is a matter of the heart. It isn't a matter of, of the head. It isn't a matter of of deciding, yes, this is probably true, an assent to, to facts. It is a matter of the heart. From your heart, trust God, and then the trouble can't take hold. So what's the, 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 the comfort and the challenge of this passage that I believe every passage has? Comfort is we we don't have to have a troubled heart. We don't have to. It's a matter of trusting God and trusting Christ. Trust that that God has a plan and that Christ is leading you through it. Trust. And this plan goes, again, think of the context, from Last Supper to heaven. It goes from today when Judas was, was betraying Jesus It goes to tomorrow when Peter was denying Jesus. And it goes to forever. Trust that God has a plan and that Christ is leading you through it. 
And this, this verse, this passage tells us we can know God, the creator and sustainer of everything. Look around. It's beautiful here. This is the greatest sanctuary ever. Everything you see was made by the creator and sustainer. We can know him personally through Christ, but we must know Christ. And the challenge is trusting God's plan. It's trusting that that God indeed knows exactly where you are and is going to get you to where you need to be. It's trusting God's plan. It's letting enough of our own sovereignty up to trust God's sovereignty. It's, It's taking our eyes off the circumstances in front of us and, li- and living today for eternity's sake. Living today because we know it makes a difference in eternity. How many can you affect for eternity by your wellness, by your trust in Christ? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. The first thing I must ask of you is do you know Christ? Do you, have you trusted Christ for your salvation? Because you cannot know God without knowing Christ. It tells us that right there in John 14. Do you know Christ? Because you can. You, you, you can take a step of faith today. It isn't a leap of faith. It's a step. It's a simple step of acknowledging our sin and trusting Christ died to save you. You can, you can pray along with me in your own words and just say, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to trust that Jesus died on the cross to save me. So I'm going to ask that you, that, that you come into my life and lead me in your way, your truth, your life. Show, show me your path. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let somebody know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Wave your hand, honk your horn. Send a Facebook message, something. Let somebody know. Maybe this morning you are feeling troubled. Will you take a moment right now to just tell God, I trust your plan, and, and I trust Christ to lead me through it. Take that moment right now. Father, we thank you for this incredible promise. And as we trust you, our hearts are no longer troubled that we can trust you and you have a plan for our today, our tomorrow, and it goes all the way to forever and ever. Help us to trust you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.